0: This is We Need to Talk with Dr. Darcy Sterling, where we answer all your questions about dating, relationships, and mental health, and give you the tools and skills you need to love better so you can live better. I'm Darcy
1: Sterling. And I'm Ashton Tardif. How are you? Good. How's the week been? It's been good. It's been busy. It's one of those times where, you know, you're not quite fully in the holiday season but you can feel it feel it coming planning is coming and you're like oh shit I better I better get my life together for the holiday at the end of the year you can feel it in the air yeah it's definitely it's coming and that's very exciting but you know it can be difficult actually I know you've told me this before but this is typically your busiest time of the year right It is. How weird is that, that shrinks have busy seasons? I did not know that until I became one. Yeah, I mean, you would think that mental health really doesn't have any ebbs and flows, but I guess that's incorrect. Why do you think that is? I mean,
0: my best guess, look, I've been tracking Uh, outreach for new referrals from the day I started my private practice in 98. So a very long time. You were two, I think, at the time. (laughs) So a very long time I've been tracking my referrals because you know me, I'm neurotic and I like to measure things. And I like to see when I should expect things to ebb and flow. And what I I realized, like within a couple of years, from mid-September, slash end of september through the end of the year if i could clone myself i could fill another person's full practice the amount of outreach we generally get and i've since learned that this isn't just unique to me that it's universal that therapists across the across the globe are hit with such we're so inundated with requests for new referrals and for therapy life is stressful to begin with and You add to that enormous holiday responsibilities, particularly, and I'm going to stereotype here, but ladies, particularly for us, we bear the brunt of the responsibilities during the holiday seasons. As, As we get older, we begin to host more and take on more responsibilities. If you're a young adult, that means traveling back home. So anticipating the proximity of your family members, that's just the that's just the top level stressors there's also the subtext to everything like you're going to have to not everybody has great relationships with their families not mm-hmm. everybody lives near their families and friends and then there's you know the financial expectations that you know everybody's got to got to pay up and buy some gifts around this time of year and anything that you struggle with outside of like We all have our predispositions for anxiety, depression, whatever ways stress shows up in your life. Maybe it's, you know, you feel triggered in your addiction. Everybody has triggers when they're under duress and stress. So whatever stuff is laying dormant can begin to perk its head up and it can start to feel like whack-a-mole. Not only are you trying to navigate your normal life, but you've got all these added responsibilities, and then whatever stuff you may have worked on can start creeping back up, whatever mental health challenges you may have had.
1: So it's a lot, Mm -hmm. and people, people start to feel it, and thankfully, they reach out. Given the economic climate that we're in, which you just touched on, but also what's going on in the world, it doesn't exactly make a super comfortable environment for a lot of people, especially when you come from you know, a family or a community that has differing views than you, which mm-hmm. can always be fun. Who, who doesn't want to talk about, you know, the state of the world over, you know, some eggnog or a seasonal holiday drink or festive meal? Um, How fun to just, you know, trying to be there, enjoying the moment, calming your own anxieties or, you know, nerves that you have about whoever and whatever you're dealing with. But also in the back of your brain, just like, oh, there's a lot going on right now. It is everyone's
0: worst nightmare. Everyone's worst nightmare is to be, at, as to, to be at the holiday dinner table and have those political differences illuminated. We all know that we walk around in on different teams, and that's so unfortunate. We've never lived in times like this. It's just gotten worse and worse with each election, particularly the presidential elections. But even since the last election, You know, here we are in the winding up 2023. I would have expected that the last election would have calmed things down, but the pandemic sure took care of that, didn't it? Like it create where there were where we were starting to come together, boom, there was a huge divide. How people responded to that became the stuff of the political divide again. I think, except the people who do the provocation at the dinner table. I will never understand Mm. why people do that. I will never understand how boring their lives must be that they wait for the holiday dinner to zing a family member or a friend. I don't get it. I personally love peace. Look, I love active debate, but why pick something to debate where there's going to be a loser, there's going to be a winner, or the majority of people are going to be on one side and there's going to be an outlier. I don't understand that. My whole gym is about making people feel comfortable. And I'm not trying to be better than other people.
1: I just don't fucking get it, to be honest. I don't get it. Yeah. No, I totally (laughs) align with that, understand that, and have been through that. Um, Personally, I feel like there are just some people who genuinely enjoy um, causing drama or they're mistaking um, what they think is going to be a lively debate or, you know, opening up the room to a meeting of the minds or you know, whatever it may be, to actually making people uncomfortable and causing conflict. I feel like sometimes there are people who just genuinely enjoy ruffling feathers because they wanna see what's gonna come out of it. And some people wanna get on their soapbox. Yeah. They, they want a moment to just share their feelings and opinions and feel right or feel smarter. And that is so exhausting um as an involuntary participant if you find yourself in those situations Um, and here i thought that's what social media was for like
0: there's a there's (laughs) an outlet for everybody to be heard you don't have to channel it through the holidays but Mm -hmm. yeah but yet we see this time and time
1: again absolutely it's like there's always one member of the family and i really am envious if there is somebody who does not have this experience i call it the facebook uncle who just is ready (laughs) they're ready and you've been seeing their posts and it's one of those things where you're like i can't unfriend you it's on my feed you roll your eyes and you just you just batter through it but that is inescapable for the most part during the holidays and to add on to it most of us if not well i won't say all of us but if you're in my family all of us are imbibing more than usual Yeah. That is not always a great equation for having those conversations at all. So (laughs) um, this brings me to a question for you because we actually, for people listening and don't know, while we are family, I typically don't spend the holidays with you. That also opens up a whole nother can of worms, which is what happens? Well, we know what happens. I know what happens when you have a split family, a divorced family, there's always this like sense of guilt. Um, and you can just never be everywhere all at once. And someone always ends up being left out. Um, but I wanted to ask right. you before like, we get into like that, if like what you're saying is like you, your parents are
0: divorced. No matter mm-hmm. who you spend a holiday with, you feel like somebody's being deprived. Is that what you mean?
1: Yeah, deprived and it's always, you know, a conversation that I'm the eldest, so I feel like this typically falls on me where we me and my two younger brothers have to kind of decide what our holiday plans are. Who are we spending Thanksgiving with, mom or dad? Um okay, then what about, you know, Christmas, are we staying for New Year's and I love my parents, I love my family. I would I can't imagine not spending holidays with them. But it's mm-hmm. always a stressor point for me because there's always a bit of guilt, um, regardless of the decision that that I make and that we agree to. Because, you know, we're getting older. They're getting older. It's just it, it, it's we're stressful. not getting older. Your
0: parents and I are not getting older. We You're are right I'm in sorry. time. We are frozen in time in our
1: fabulousness. Carry on. That's that's true. And I I expect the same for me, by the way. Um I don't yes, I'm still perpetually 23. But (laughs) since I don't spend the holidays with you, um, I'm so curious, what is one of your like holiday nightmares? And maybe it doesn't have to be a true nightmare, but maybe just like a situation that people can identify with where you're like, oh my God, there's not enough wine in this house to make this better. Well,
0: I have to tell you, and you're going to find this weird, I'm open to hearing other perspectives. I'm not open to making anyone feel uncomfortable, but by and large, um, we've never had one of those moments until last Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving 2022 was the first time oh. I had one of those cliche moments, and it was the weirdest thing ever because I only realized in the middle of it when my when my emotional temperature on a scale of zero to 10 was like at a nine and a half in like 30 seconds, I was like, you are literally living a cliche, Darcy, because I guide people on how to avoid this stuff. And and I guess because, and I've been doing it for so many years. I don't know why I've never expected it to happen in my own house. But last year, Thanksgiving, Steph, my wife, was so proud that I had recently been on a news program of an anchor that we both had been admiring for years. And she naively, at the Thanksgiving dinner table, just as we were clearing the dishes, she naively like announced and was like, oh, Darcy was on this show and she did so well. And I quickly scanned the guests and I could see a cousin of mine who, I mean, he's a cousin Might as well be blood related. He's through marriage, but he's basically, he feels like a second brother to me, or that would be a third brother to me. He's definitely a brother of choice to me. Let's be clear. I could see the temperature in him rising immediately. We've always known that he's conservative. It's ironic. He came out as a conservative last Thanksgiving as a result of this conversation, but Within seconds, we were. I found myself in a debate with him, which is really hard to do when there's no shared facts. We had no facts that we could even agree on. There were no common agreements of anything because we watch, like so many people, we watch our news from vastly different sources. He thinks the news I watch leans left. I think the news he watches should be criminalized for calling themselves news. And there's not. We barely have language in common through which to have a discussion. And I like within literally it wasn't even a minute and a half. I'm like, I felt myself reaching for my phone to start fact checking in real time. And then I zoomed out and I was like, "Are you crazy? Darcy, are you crazy? You pretend your clients are watching, And that sometimes causes the better part of me to come out and for me to be a better human than I naturally would be. I'm like, I, I, I literally, I get it at a visceral level. I got it in that moment at a visceral level. And when I tell you, Ashton, had I not used my skills to deescalate things, dinner was going to be over right then and there. In oh, my part God. Because I, I mean, and, and I was in it. I was in it because there's nothing I hate more than feeling bullied or feeling like someone I care about is being bullied Or feeling like someone I care about who's not there to defend themselves is being bullied. Obviously, the person whose show I was on was not sitting at the Thanksgiving table. And I was like, I was wild. When it comes to defending the underdog, I am all over that. But I de-escalated the situation because it was about to end. It was about to end. And in that moment, I was like, huh, this is really hard to do. And you have relationship (laughs) skills, speaking myself.
1: Right. I mean, we. I feel like we probably all need reminders of that, um, which I feel like probably makes a lot of people feel better knowing that even you, somebody who does this for a living, needed to remind themselves in a situation like this. Also, that you weren't expecting. Sometimes I do gear up when I go home, and I want to just reiterate, as do most people totally most people gear up
0: and prep because they expect Mm. to be poked and prodded or they question them in themselves like at what point do i chime in and
1: course correct people's misperceptions of reality yeah it does feel real well here's something that i've always struggled with because it really depends personally for me on the topic of what is being debated so for you, in the situation that you just described, it was, you know, a personality, a liberal personality that you were really excited about and you felt they were coming for them in a way that was very um, aggressive, correct? So here's the thing. I'm down for a debate. Do
0: the research. I hadn't done enough research. Per- mm. I, I had done cursory research. Let me tell you, the weekend following, I logged six hours of research in a Google doc to fact check everything and I then shared it shared it with the family member because oh. i was, because i because i felt like i, I wanted him it. to know but but and it wasn't a gotcha kind of thing i wanted him to know that i respected and loved him enough to take his thoughts and feelings into consideration but i hadn't done the research ahead of time so i couldn't even i couldn't even rely on myself to be able to debate or or to have a conversation with him because he was speaking about things i had never heard of and the reason mm-hmm. is it was bullshit yeah. I don't wrong. want to turn this into a show about my Thanksgiving dinner. Um, <laughs> but we got past it. It was a love fest by the end, and and everything's everything's solid, but I can't imagine what it's like to walk into a situation like yours. What's it like yeah. for you? What is it like <laughs> for you?
1: So to give people context who don't know me as well as Darcy does, I come from a wholly conservative family. Um i am not conservative i am quite liberal and moving to new york definitely you know amplified that and i feel my family loves to call me the snowflake of the family they love to poke fun at me especially my younger brothers and it used to really really rile me up really and i was always struggling with do i retaliate a b Do I diffuse a situation and try to pretend that, you know, not feed into the fire? Because my love for them is so much greater than any of the conflicts, you know, that do arise because they are smoothed over. But certain issues or topics really do bring out my fight or flight. And with the fighting aspect of it, I always struggle with, is this a moment to educate? Or is this a moment to stand ground and, you know, fight back, quote unquote? And what I've learned, at least for me, is that you cannot educate people who are not interested in being educated. Um, and tone and situation is everything. Maybe after you know four drinks into the night, it's not the best time the to moment. open up the course of- um, Not the dress. time for a town hall, Ashton. Not the time. No, <laughs> and I did learn that. I did learn that the hard way. Um, and i did do more research they i think it was helpful in the way that maybe there were times where they did poke holes in my argument but only because i had not been able to answer those holes with what they should have been filled with which were facts which were real information statistics and i also you know usually i'm drinking in these times i can forget when you're on the spot and you're emotionally elevated i can forget All of the things that I've learned because my emotions are surging and I am feeling anger, frustration. and 100%. And just for zoom out for a
0: second, that's because when you're in your fight, flight, or freeze response, and we all know when we're in this because we can't really think. All we Mm -hmm. can do is make a decision. Do we want to go at it with them? Do we want to retreat? Or do we want to just pretend we don't even hear it? and that's because we're in our amygdala. And when we're in our amygdala, that is the old, that is the part of the brain that keeps us alive. It's our survival part of our brain. It's the oldest part of the brain. And it is not capable of thinking through strategy. It is not capable of connecting consequences to current behaviors or behaviors you're contemplating, engaging in. So you literally are not in your right mind. So when you, but also can we just, Can we just acknowledge how fucked up it is that we feel like we have to be briefed on the stats of the world before going home for holidays? What has happened? Like That's so disappointing. And it's not unique to you, Ashton. This is Mm -hmm. most of my clients who are young adults feel like they need to have talking points before going home. And it's been that way, at least for the last I want to say 10 years, but it's gotten progressively worse with each year. And, you know, where do you land on
1: that? So what do you do? Right. Well, my question is also, you know, when do you know, what do you tell your clients? People just, you know, or similar to me, when they find themselves in these situations, these fight or flight, when do you tell them? hey, you know, maybe this is time to educate. Maybe it's time to step back or let's diffuse. Like, what is your best advice for people who so often find themselves in these situations?
0: It's evolved over years because every year, depending on the zeitgeist and people's openness, generally speaking, to uh, changing their minds, when they're open in, in years, in previous years, when people have been more open to changing their minds when changing your mind was not considered a weakness but a strength a character strength which i argue it is a character strength mm-hmm. i was i was encouraging people you know of course it depends on the family dynamic and how how earnest or or willing you think the people who are you're engaging with are really open to changing their minds but look, I don't think that if you want to have a fight, social media is there for you. You don't have to do that at <laughs> home with your family anymore. We've got this whole other, this whole other artery through which you can get that need met. I want to say this is the first year, and this is a little sad. This is the first year I'm going to be telling people I don't think it's worth the debate. Now I don't mm. ever want to mute somebody, but there, I, I, I just I don't wanna set people up to debate in futility. I don't want people to be thrown into opposing corners of the dining room because there's hostility that, that is fueled by a, one of my client's willingness to lean into a debate. So I would say, unless your family is uniquely open, to hearing new things, hearing perspectives, I would say that, that is a, uh, that's, a, that's a landmine, bypass it, and you just have to figure out for yourself how you want to bypass it. There's a million different ways, but I don't, I don't believe in debate for the sake of debate. If you're going to mm-hmm. debate, there's got to be some hope in changing people's minds, or at least in being heard, respectfully so if the people in the room can hear your feelings respectfully and i would argue how many people do you know who are capable of that in this climate Mm -hmm. we're in such divided times i sound like doom and gloom and i feel terrible because i do sell hope but truly i also i'm doing i'm doing an assessment at every step of uh, of the way and and if and if people aren't willing to be respectful of each other and there's no openness to changing one's mind i don't see the reason for it i don't see the purpose mm. to it so i would encourage people to bypass it and how you want to bypass it is is unique to each person you know i would have to walk out of the room personally now if when i had I get not a breather, been a host i would have to literally walk out of the room so i didn't feel i'm i'm quite easily provoked as you know particularly in menopause which i am in the throes of so I would have to walk out of the room to not be baited. And the thing is, I feel like this is a sport for people. They love to mm-hmm. bait, they, you mm-hmm. know? They, oh, love yeah. they love it. And yeah. so you give them that. It's like giving the bully on the playground the attention that they're looking for. I would have to, wa- with a holiday, there's always something you can do to help. I would get up, i go in the kitchen, I'd start helping. That said, I also don't want to mute people. I do not want to mute people. If you feel. (laughs) No, I don't mean you. I mean the people who are on the receiving ends of this type of provocation, which so many young adults are. They come back home. Their parents know that their perspectives have opened, widened, changed, shifted from the family, talking points. And people, people, people zing you sideways. They look for opportunities to express their dissatisfaction with your changes, and, and they don't directly do it because most people don't even know that that's where it's coming from. So, you know, I don't want to mute people, but I also, I also don't want people to fight for the sake of fighting. If the, we have to remember, the purpose of these holidays is to bring people together, to make people feel loved and connected, safe and warm. And if you, as a host, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this, I think it is the responsibility of the people who are hosting these holidays to keep the rhetoric controlled. Mm. If you want your children to visit you, you need to keep the environment safe because what's going to happen is they're going to stop coming. This, mm-hmm. this sense that, that so many people have that, well, it's a democracy. I can't control what other people at the table say, even though those people came out of your vagina or you sired them, um, or, you're, you know, or they, they've been invited into your house. This is your house. You actually get to set the rules of what is discussed. This idea that it is, it is beyond your control or you want to play Switzerland or it's undemocratic where you don't want to oppress free speech, that is horse shit, steaming steaming horse shit. It is your responsibility to keep your environment safe for everybody that comes. And if you don't do that, if you're not going to run interference, if you're not going to have private conversations ahead of time and remind people that the purpose of a holiday is to make everybody leave wanting more then I'm sorry you have failed and you're setting yourself up for your kids to stop coming home. It's that's, that's how I see
1: it. What do you you say? I don't think you're wrong at all. But I also, you know, a lot of people don't understand. A, the question that they're asking could be inflammatory. B, you know, when to stop. So at what point is there a personal responsibility if you are asked a potentially inflammatory question to set a boundary? Because once you set a boundary, a clear boundary, maybe like you know, I really would rather not talk about that right now. Let's talk about something I don't think else. you can do it.
0: As a guest, as a family member, I don't think you can do that. I think the person who does that is the host. And I think that your only options in that moment is, do I want to engage or do I want to extricate myself
1: from this situation? I think those so, are your only two options. The, you're saying it's the host job when something that comes up from a guest could be potentially inflammatory to shut it down then and there, or to allow the party that might feel upset to set a boundary and kind of navigate the conversation.
0: I think that we have to keep in mind that in a group dynamic, if there is somebody who's being singled out because they're different, you are and and you're not running interference on that as the host? Yeah, I put a lot of responsibility on the part of the host. I think once you're sitting at the dinner table as a guest, whether you're a family member, a child, a friend, or just some rando, which I've been many times at Shh. people's holiday dinners, I think that I don't I think you're in a disempowered position as anything but the host and your only options are do I want to engage or do I want to do I want to bypass this whole conversation? If you want to bypass it, I I know that it sounds like the the most obvious answer, go to the bathroom. Go to the bathroom. <laughs> oh, my phone is ringing. Be right back. I mean, there's a million ways of getting out of the t- getting getting away from the table. Walk away from the table, let the temperature lower, calm yourself in the bathroom and then come back out. And 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 be prepared To handle it differently if the person's going to pick up where you left off be prepared for that to happen and have Mm. a plan what do you do when they ask you those questions
1: well what i do now is quite different than what i used to do um what i do now is um i'm sure there is a roll of the eyes apparently i roll my eyes and i don't even know i do it but i'm sure i roll my eyes i probably take a large swig of my wine And i probably say, um, let's not talk about this right now. And then I completely just, you know, I just let it kind of fizzle away. Sometimes it gets the best of me depending on the topic. But if I feel that it's getting too heated, if I like dip my toe into the pool to kind of gauge the temperature of where the conversation is going to go, um, and it gets too hot, I'm I'm hopping right back out because it is the holiday. I'm not here to debate with you. I'm here to spend time with you. Um, And that is now my course of action. Um, But there's a whole nother spectrum of conversation that can be uncomfortable that have nothing to do with political views or differences. And that is, I know everyone has gone through this. And if you haven't, what rock are you living under? (laughs) Is when the well-intentioned family members, for the most part, they can be well-intentioned or they might be digging, but they're asking you, like, I feel like there's just five questions that everyone who does not live home or near home gets asked. And you know these two, but I'll start off with one that I'm prepared to deal with. Um, How's your love life? Are you dating? Mm. What? Yep. What are, like, yeah, you can name the other ones. There's more. I mean, I could go on, but... What do we do when someone is well-intentioned, like they're genuinely just wanting to catch up with you, but there is quite literally nothing else you'd rather talk, or no, there's everything else you'd rather talk about. What is a way to divert that? Um, That is kind, but they get the message.
0: The most cringeworthy questions that young adults get asked are always about advancing the young adult to-do list. So if you're oh. single, it's how's your love life. If mm-hmm. you're dating, it's dating anyone special. If you're Shh. dating someone, it's when do we get to meet them? Oh or her? my god! Okay, so you Sorry, I'm, let me just go through them all. With, yeah. Once you're dating, and once they, once they're, I mean, and and this gets awkward when they're sitting at the holiday dinner, and the question, the whisper is, I don't see a ring on your finger. When is that going to happen? And then you get engaged and it's, you know, so when are you guys going to get married? And then it's, when are you going to have kids? Ironically, those questions stop after kids. and I, Because I know this because nobody ever asks me, so Darcy, how far along in your retirement are you? are, are you? You're pretty close to being able to retire? Which I'm grateful for because the answer is very far away. I'm looking at 25 <laughs> more years of work at least. And I don't even know if that'll suffice for my lifestyle because I have fancy taste. But it does stop after you have children. So people stop asking those very annoying questions. They got us. Those questions got us. And even though I'm far from a young adult, I will say that they make us feel less than. They remind us that we are not meeting the young adult milestones that people expect of us. What I want everyone to remember is this, they're coming from people who are Mm well-meaning and they're really, the questions that they're asking are so rarely literally about the answer that you can provide. It's really what we call in therapy or in relationship therapy, they're bids. And what I mean by a bid is it's a bid for connection, B-I-D, bid for connection. When my wife's staff shows me funny animal videos for the thousandth time that day, and you know this is true, Ashton, because you've been on the receiving end of them, Yeah. where she shows me a CrossFit video, or she shows me a boxing video. It's not about the video itself. She just wants to share a moment with me. When you're on the receiving end of it, what you might want to do is light your hair on fire because it's the 40th time that day you've been asked to look at the same stupid thing. When you're at that holiday dinner party, your family member, they're just asking you the same shit they asked you, but different forms of those questions when you were in school. When you were a child in school, what was the question they asked? How's school going? Because Mm -hmm. they don't know what else to say to you, Ashton. They don't know what to say to you. They just want to start a conversation. So, yeah, if you're so, so they're, you know, I like to help my clients prepare canned little responses that are sweet and sort of answer the question. And then the big pivot, got to pivot right off of it and ask them questions. So, one of the best ways to not find yourself in that hot seat is to have some questions prepared to ask other people about their lives. Mm-hmm. And ideally you're not scratching the same wound that people that you're cringing over people scratching on you, you know?
1: <laughs> How's your marriage? How's it going? Divorce insight? No, great. Okay. Yeah, imagine. Oh god.
0: No, I I actually can't. I can't even imagine. <laughs> so so if I'm single, maybe I say something like you know, I'm dying on the inside as I'm saying this, but I'm like, I am living my best single life. How's your year going? More importantly, what is on your list of things that you have to do in 2024? Where are you going to visit this year? What do you want to do? So if you come into the family dinner, planning to ask, having questions that you can ask, particularly the more more volatile guests, but actually everyone, you know, who's going to be at that dinner table. Mm -hmm. have something in mind to ask other people so that you're not just passively on the receiving end of all these questions because all they really want is a connection with you and a conversation with you
1: that i really and truly did not ever think of doing that um and i'm actually going to approach that differently this year um in terms of coming prepared with questions because i'm usually just prepared to answer them and Mm -hmm. that's a really great way to reroute that's wow see you're pretty good at your job oh Um, thanks yeah on the so pivoting here um family aside conversations all of that being home especially when you have not lived there for a long time can bring a slew of other relationships and this has been dubbed uh, at least amongst my my age group and friends is the hometown hookups So essentially, I'm sure there's actually ever hometown,
0: hometown hookups. It's the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. We've been doing it since the beginning of time. Well, what did you call it? The the bar night. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that too. (laughs) That That bar, the the biggest, the biggest party night of the year is the Wednesday before Thanksgiving because everybody's home and they all go, we all go back to our childhood bars what is your
1: take on this phenomenon? Why do we feel that like almost an urge to like partake in these activities and see these people, usually their exes or people we used to hook up with, when we can be so drastically different than the people that we used to be when we were with those people? Um, what is that urge? Like, it, it boggles me a little bit because sometimes I feel it, sometimes I don't. but. It happens every year to people I know. What is that? Why is that happening?
0: My question is, why is it even a problem? If you're not cheating, if there's no infidelity, do whatever the hell you want. As I mean, look, most of us don't. And, and I don't know if there's a subtext in your question of like, you already know how that person is. That's why you're not in a relationship with them. Why yeah. would you choose to hook up with them? Is that what you're?
1: Yeah, kind of, you know, obviously there's not a future there with this person because if there had been, you would have been exploring it or it would have worked out. At least that's how I think. Um, I, yeah, I just feel like it's something that a lot of people battle with. They're like, oh well, I know my ex is in town. They're looking at my Instagram story. They know I'm on the flight. Oh, should I go? Should I go back to the past? Like, I don't know what is, in
0: the know. world of bad decisions. This is about the most benign bad decision. Okay. Provided there's a condom involved. Like, sex is fun. Hookups are great. Go hook up. Hook up. <laughs> you know, if you know the end of the story, and it's not somebody that you have long term. Uh, potential with who gives a shit. Have a fun night. Do what makes you happy. All
1: right. Okay. <laughs> now I'm like, well, I'm just going to hook up. Yeah, but y- may you may not because let's think about this as well. Is both of you are likely staying at your family home? I don't think either party is involved once you're bringing over your hookup. That just makes it um, hotter. Come on, uh, that just makes it hotter, you doesn't can it? Talk to my I don't know. Does it about that? I haven't done it. Um, I've but actually been in a relationship. Like, yeah, I know, but I I'm
0: just saying, saying. Well, the reason I say that is because now you've got all the. Uh, all the excitement of like you're doing something bad on top of making (laughs) a decision that like you know this person is not right for you but tonight they're perfect for you now you gotta sneak around i don't know i think it just tightens the whole thing but something that i
1: also just thought of is that the holidays in general winter in general is cuffing season and a lot of people find themselves coupling up going into relationships There is the inevitable like holiday engagement. I'm sure there's like four that I'm gonna see like in the span of like two weeks, three weeks, who knows. Maybe it's almost like that reminder of like, hey, I'm not in a relationship, but I can pretend that, you know, for a night or I can just have that company. Um, But also why? Just why do so many people get engaged this time of year? Is there science behind this? What is this? So you're familiar with serotonin, right? Yeah, I need a lot more of it. Um, Yeah, (laughs) yeah. That's what
0: I've been told, but yeah. It dips when we're deprived of sunlight, which is why in cuffing season, we're looking for dopamine hits and serotonin wherever we can get them. Add to that, we've got the holidays coming up it is kind of cold outside the idea of being with somebody and having a warm body next to us is enticing but on top of it we've got all these events which mm-hmm. i would argue most most people i work with would not be bringing a brand new person to events anyway but it it all stirs up this desire inside of us to couple up and 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 it's a real thing that's that's why we We have the season. I think it starts in September and it goes through, I don't know, early March. The breakups usually happen in February and March. And then it's Uh like, get your body ready for the summer. And everyone wants to be single for another four months, five months. So there is science behind it. And also, there's a Mm -hmm. lot of societal pressure. So it's a lot of things that come together and make us want to find. significant other
1: that makes a lot of sense um and i am just extremely lucky that my doctor just prescribed me um prescription grade vitamin d so i can try to bypass those um, urges yeah i really recommend that for anybody who struggles i really struggle with the lack of sunlight like really badly also turn on that that therapy
0: sunlight sun lamp that i got you last year I gotta do that. I gotta do that. I'll put a link. I'll put a link in the show notes to that. There. So what you know, I what we need between certainly between November and February is we're all sunlight deprived, most of us, and they make therapy lights very inexpensive. I'll put a link in the show notes below, and uh, yeah, the the lighting, the the sunlight, the indirect sunlight. You need ten to thirty minutes of that a day, and Boy, does it make such a difference? It helps people sleep better. You want it, you want to turn it on in the mornings and early afternoon. So it doesn't, so it works with your circadian rhythm instead of against. Seasonal mm-hmm. affective disorder is a real thing. We want to be able to treat it. So vitamin D is very helpful, as are these sun lamps.
1: On the other side of things that we struggle with during the holidays, I also want to give some light to people who struggle with disordered eating, eating disorders, or addiction, because if there is one thing I feel like universally, every family in America is going to do more of, it is eat and drink. Um, What do you think, and this can kind of branch into, I guess, more specific advice for these types of people who struggle with this, but how should they approach these, well, this time of year, knowing that they, you know, are going to be surrounded by triggers and people who are watching them.
0: Yeah. No, there's nothing worse for a trigger than, than, than it being magnified by people having eyes on you that activates it even more. Preparation is the key. We all know what our unique kryptonite is in terms of mental health, whether you have a propensity to have an eating disorder, whether that's restricting, overeating, binging, purging, combination thereof, or an addiction, or you're prone to depression or anxiety, you have to know yourself first of all. And when you know that you have a propensity, that that's your your kryptonite, that's your trigger, it's all about preparation. So going in, you have to prep and expect to be triggered. And you have to have things that already anchor you, that ground you, that make you feel sane and capable and supported. That can include connecting with people at home, especially as a young adult, connecting with friends at home. So splitting up some of the family time, because it's really intense, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like we mm-hmm. go from not living with them to like, <laughs> It's like, it's like we went back a decade ago and it's like, we're all living together again and it can be really intense. So Mm -hmm. don't skip the gym. Make sure you find a local gym that you can go to. Make sure you make plans with friends outside of the house. Take breaks from family members. Make sure that you have something in place so that your self-care is going to be consistent and you're going to be able to keep up with it. And you know to the extent that you may have the need for a support group look for look for a group look for look for look for a meeting that you can go to in your hometown make sure you've got several of those scheduled either online or i, I mean i would really recommend getting out of the house as much as possible because the breaks make us refreshed when we come back we come back a better version of ourselves so mm-hmm. self-care having some people who know what your struggles are and letting them know ahead of time, hey, look, I'm going to really try and eat this holiday season. Here are the things that I plan to do. Do you think we can talk about it a little bit? Said no eating disordered person ever to a friend. (laughs) But anyway, I'm just saying, ideally, these are the things that we do. So- if you, maybe it's not an eating disorder person who's doing that, maybe it's somebody who has a propensity to overdrink or overuse. They're trying to stay clean. You just need activities. You need activities to do. If you're worried about overdrinking, have some non-alcoholic drinks available that taste delicious and unique, and will scratch a little bit of that itch. Mm-hmm. Whole Foods is 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 is. is overflowing in options. There are so many options. As a matter of fact, I have stumbled upon a great non-alcoholic drink that I use on the nights that I don't drink because I just want a treat, to be honest with you. I just want (laughs) a treat. That's what wine is to me. Wine is my reward for, and that's how many alcoholics began. So I have something that I only drink at the end of the day. It's non-alcoholic. I'll also add that into the show notes below and i I love that it's all about knowing yourself and preparation and knowing w- what you want to do is you want to set up opportunities to leave the house
1: mm-hmm.
0: uber is in that, every yeah. state of the country it's everywhere mm-hmm. it's not just in this country it's everywhere you yeah. don't need a car to
1: get your needs met uber lyft do what you have to do and in terms of the upcoming holiday season I am prepared to answer questions from anyone who may ask when I go home about my current situation. Um, But it also makes dating a bit difficult right now because as I am dating people and going on dates, we're also aware that it's going to be more difficult to see each other from literally like starting the week before Thanksgiving Mm -hmm. until like the new year. Um, So it makes it, it makes it tricky, especially when you start to, you know, develop feelings for somebody or you're like, who. This person is i kind of like this person
0: um it's nice it's I'm some external in- pacing that's happening you know it's going because to cause which- you to date instead of you know
1: fusing together in the
0: lesbian way
1: since you're strong i know but i also like i have caught myself that i when i start to like somebody um I can feed into like, oh, they want to hang out again for like the third time this week. Totally. We totally mm-hmm. should because I want to. And it's exciting. And I genuinely forgot how much fun dating is, especially when you think that you, you might have feelings for somebody, even if they're just easy nothing
0: like that feeling. There high. is it's nothing like that feeling.
1: Oh, yeah. How wonderful. Yeah. Tell me everything it was a huge reminder to me that what it's like to have feelings again for somebody or inklings of feelings or just being like, you know what, I really enjoy spending time with you. And I had not felt that since my, my last relationship. And I completely mm. forgot. And it reminded me that it's possible. Um, well, A, to like love again, even though I'm not in love with this person, but it's exciting. It's exciting. It's fun. It's also scary. Because you're being vulnerable again. Or you're preparing yourself to be vulnerable. Um, it's. Yeah. I'm navigating it the best way I know how. Which is allowing myself like to feel crush. it. Nothing a like a crush. Yeah. yeah totally a crush. And it's reciprocal. You know when you can feel it. Like you know this mm-hmm. person also likes you. It is like. I don't think there's a drug in the world. That, that could compare. I, I mean. It's amazing. And. I think the one thing we're all afraid of when we feel this is that it's going to go away or it's going to be taken away from us. So I am What I want you to... to
0: know what I want you to know is that that capacity is
1: inside of
0: you. That is not about the guy that you're dating, although it is a little bit about him. There are many people right behind him who could evoke that same feeling in mm-hmm. you because it's about your capacity to feel it. So, if it doesn't work out with any of the people that you're dating currently, you will feel this again. It's all about your capacity. Mm-hmm. And if you hadn't done the kind of healing that you've done over the years, you might not be able to feel this because you might be so armored up in the beginning that it extinguishes this spark that is brewing and smoldering between you. But, but Ashton, yeah. enjoy the hell out of it, will you? Just enjoy oh, the
1: hell out of it. I don't have. try and control it. that is like a really great, feeling I feel like you just can slowly start to peel back parts of your life and yourself and you start to get to know the person more like we were ordering drinks at the bar and he just went ahead and ordered for me because he knew what I wanted and he was like oh I probably should have asked but I I I just you know I guess and I was like you were perfectly correct like thank you and I actually did the same thing for him without meaning to it's just small things like that like you start to be like Okay, like I'm getting to know this person and things are things are going well.
0: So I have a question with a caveat because this is going to be airing after Thanksgiving is over, but we are right on the precipice of Thanksgiving. Where are you actually going for Thanksgiving?
1: I am going to Florida to be with my father and his partner, um, with my brothers, which is a first. And <laughs> What makes it funny is that my dad currently lives in a RV, completely out of choice and out of Mm. (laughs) joy. He is living his best, um, almost retiree life by traveling the warmer climates of Florida and Arizona and all of that. So I'm looking forward to seeing him and his partner, plus we'll be in Florida, which should be nice. And I'm super grateful that he got an Airbnb. So I do not have to share an RV with my two younger brothers. So that's great. So yeah, I'll be sure to come back armed with lots of fun stories. And yeah, Ashton, would you mind reading us out? We Need to Talk with Dr. Darcy is a Sterling Standard production. Our editors are Stephanie Sterling and Bart Miguel. Special thanks to Amanda Cristiani, Glenn Fryer, and Vicky Virgolina. If you like today's show, please follow us by searching We Need to Talk with Dr. Darcy Sterling. If you love today's show, please give us a rating. We'll be back on Tuesday with a brand new episode. Thank you.